With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. So Marte ready to face his first pitch in the big leagues, and he drives it deep to left center field. This ball is way back, and it is gone. The first pitch Starling Marte sees in the major leagues. He hits it out of the ballpark. Oh, maybe it's Marte. It's Marte. It's definitely Marte. A home run in his first Marlins game, and it gives him the lead in the eighth inning. Average as Marte hits one off. Deep left center field, goodbye! Out to center field, Marte makes the catch. Here comes a throw from center, and it's in time! Another outfield assist for Starling Marte! It's a Marte Parte! Here's Chris Townsend. Marte Parte! I love that. Marte comes in red hot to your Oakland Athletics lineup, batting second tonight. He's hit 444 with 10 runs in his last 12 games. He's hitting 306 for the season. Hear that? 306. Not 206. 306. With an OPS of 859, 22 stolen bases. He is exactly what the doctor has ordered. Your lineup will look like this tonight for the Oakland Athletics. Mark Canna leading off playing left field. Marte will be in center batting second. Olsen batting third playing first. Jed will be at second base batting fourth. The Laser will be in right field batting fifth. Mitch Moreland will be your DH batting sixth. Seventh will be Matt Chapman in the five hole, or I should not say the five hole, batting seventh, playing third base. Murph behind the dish in the eighth slot, and Elvis will be at short and batting ninth. So there it is. The trade, that, and there's all kinds of stuff going on right now. Anthony Rizzo is being traded to the New York Yankees. I like that. Uh, I like that deal. Obviously, they just made the deal for Gallo. Danny Duffy, the left-hander, is leaving Kansas City and going to Los Angeles to play for the Dodgers. And it's not the Giants. It's not the Dodgers. It's the Padres who look to be the front runners to get Max Scherzer right now. 
Who would have ever thought that the San Diego Padres could have multiple $300 million contracts, an over $100 million contract in Eric Hosmer, take on a lot of you Darvish money, and now you're going to pick up Max Scherzer? Where are they getting all this cash? Where's this money tree that they that they have? But a lot of craziness going around, and I actually love the idea. Left-handed bat, Rizzo playing at Yankee Stadium. Veteran guy, needs a change of scenery. Obviously, things just didn't work out in Chicago. You know, if you're going to hire David Ross, you know Rossi, he's no puppet. Well... Rossi's boys are being dismantled as we speak. It makes me think of Tino Martinez, this Anthony Rizzo deal to the Yankees. Now, he's not having the best year, but I think it's like one of those deals you put the pinstripes on. Yankees are going for it. And a lot of people go, oh, that's crazy. Yes, you could say that's crazy. But the reality is this. They're the New York Yankees. And if you are going to charge the prices that they charge to go to their games and have the reputation that they have, you gotta you you can't roll over and play dead. So Paul Himbakidis Himbo is going to be here from ESPN. Will be here at four thirty. He obviously is on the morning show on ESPN, uh, the show Get Up, and as also I don't even, is it the Mike Greenberg show, Cody? That, that he does the radio? I think it's called Greeny. I think that's what the name of it is. I think it's just is, Greeny. Is it a podcast or is it actual terrestrial radio? What is it? I think it's, let me look it up. I think it's just, I think it's terrestrial radio, actually. Uh, the Greeny oh, show. It's on the ESPN radio network? It might be. I mean, I saw videos of Hembo doing different stuff and, like, talking about spider tack on there and different videos that they post on Twitter. So he's kind of a big, big deal anymore on ESPN. Oh, he's that's why we have him on. He's fabulous. So Himbo will be here at 4:30. Andrew Chafin, the new left-hander from the Chicago Cubs, will be here at five. And then one of our favorites, the former general manager that you see on MLB Network, Dan O'Dowd, will be here at 5:15. As you know, he at this time of the year is when he shines, right? He is all over MLB Network. He's going to be on. I don't know. Is he on right now? Because we interviewed him earlier today. He was on MLB, MLB Network earlier today, then came on with us. I know with the deadline being at 7 uh, at 1 p.m. Pacific that it's going to be 7 a.m. here is when MLB Network is going to be doing their trading deadline coverage. He might be on TV right now, to be honest, because I think uh, what is it, MLB tonight starts at like 5 our time, so 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, because I know they they had the uh, Dodgers Giants game on earlier after Dan got done on TV, because that's why he was only on for a certain amount of time before he came on with us. Well, I was watching the Polar Bear go deep today. I was watching the Mets. Yeah, they played they played earlier today, so he was on TV. So he's going to be on TV a lot this whole week. And well, he, he you know that when we get to this time of the year, having ex players doesn't mean as much. Uh, having front office guys because they understand players don't know the world of negotiating and trading and being through all of that unless you're in the front office. So 
it is key at this time of the year to start bringing the executives out and and take you to take you through the process of how to get a deal done. And that's why we'll ask Dan. Here, I'm going to go see. Well, let, let's see what we got. I'm going to get online here. I'm going to go to MLB Network. All right, so they're uh, they're doing their highlight show right now. So we'll keep you updated on. Uh, and, and we got something brewing finally. I mean, Jerry Depoto. I every everybody is shaking their head on the Kendall Graveman thing. So it just wasn't me. But now they're going to get who? They're going to get. Uh, I think he's still their closer. I know. I know our 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 favorite guy to watch at the Rays is Peter Fairbanks. Crazy eyes. Uh, he's been closing some games, but they're getting. 27-year-old Diego Castillo from the Rays for two prospects. Well, actually, one of the guys is a guy that pitches out of their bullpen right now and a third-base prospect. But he has three years of control left. He has 14 saves this year. But he doesn't. He didn't have the numbers that Kendall Grayman has. Oh, not even close. So that's who they're getting. And sorry, I was just looking because I would play the breaking news sound, but we're going to get a lot of uh, stuff that comes out over today and tomorrow. Uh, Ken Rosenthal just said, Dodgers, one of the clubs still in the mix for Scherzer. So not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. Dodgers still in the mix to get Scherzer, even after they got Danny Duffy, who is still on the injured list, by the way. So who knows when he's going to pitch for the Dodgers. Dodgers dropped the series to the Giants after they lost again today. So they need starting pitching really bad. Well, the whole Trevor Bauer thing. I mean, everybody that we've talked to about Trevor Bauer, this is a real ugly situation. They don't think he is going to pitch. For the rest of this season, you know, is Clayton Kershaw still on the IL? Uh, yeah, I don't think he's been activated yet. So, I mean, you know, they need pitching. That then now, how how just bizarro world are we in, where the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Giants are all battling each other for players? Like, I can't remember when all three were going head-to-head and looking to spend money and add people. I can't remember a time when that happened in the National League West. I just, you know, especially San Diego, because, you know, they've been playing small market games for a long time, but they're trying to act like a big boy. So, fascinating times. And the clock is ticking. Without the waiver wire process, at 1 o'clock tomorrow, it's over. You can't add anybody else. And if you look at what the A's did in in getting, you know, one of the best position players and a guy that fits your needs, right? The guy fits exactly what you need. Like, we saw what Tommy LaStella did for the A's last year and changed the lineup. But this guy's way better than Tommy LaStella. The athleticism, the ability to steal bases, to play great defense. I mean, look at it. First game in, you're already moving Ramon Laureano to right field. You've just gotten better defensively, let alone the contact that he makes. And I know Jesus Lazardo is... A lot of people like Jesus Lazardo. Uh, Dan O'Dowd's going to tell you he wasn't all that much of a fan. But the thing that I appreciate, you may not, but I do, is the fact that our front office 
is always thinking about the here and now. Because let's face it, when you operate, when you run the Oakland Athletics, you never know what the future holds. You really can't think, hey, what's going to happen three years from now? What's going to happen four years from now? You just can't do it. You don't know what the payroll is going to be like. You, I mean, you just, you have no clue. So when you have a chance and you're the Oakland Athletics, you go for it. And you take risks. Is this a risk? Yeah, sure. Jesus Lazardo could go, on, could go on and be a Cy Young Award winner. Or he could be a guy that's not that good. He could be a guy that doesn't win a lot of games. Bounces around. Maybe put in the bullpen. You don't know. What we do know is that at a very young age, he hasn't learned how to pitch yet. And he has a hard time keeping the ball in the ballpark. He does throw the ball hard. He does at times have a nasty slider. And when he has some type of feel for the changeup, he can strike people out. But the scary thing about these young pitchers that are coming up, so many of them have been babied for so long, and they're, they're babied in the minor leagues. They never learn how to pitch. They never learn how to pitch out of trouble. They're so used to, hey, you get 65 pitches tonight. Hey, you get 70 pitches tonight. And so what 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 happens when you got 65 pitches? You go out there and just throw everything as hard as you can, try and blow everybody away, you know, try to get through four innings, and they take you out. That's why when someone, I don't remember who brought it up about some of the Dominican players that these guys are learning how to play baseball because they're basically just in showcases. A lot of the stuff they do are like showcase games where they're not playing actual regular baseball games. So they get here and you put them in the minor leagues. I think it was Alex Jensen. It was Voice a, it of was, sports. It was Alex. Yeah. Yeah. It says, you know, you get these guys now into low a ball and now they're, they're learning how to just play the game and play the game the right way. Because most of the time, what they're doing is there's just a bunch of tryouts. And so you see the power and you see the speed and you see all this stuff and they get these signing bonuses and they come over here and then it's like, okay, well now you got to learn how to play the game, how to win. So good luck to Jesus Lazardo. And I, I, it's been mixed emotion, but to get a guy like Marte, you're going to have to give something up and I'll root for Jesus Lazardo. I thought he was a good kid. You know, when we had him on A's Cast Live, when we were, God, that was a long time ago, back when we used to do the show from the Jack London office in that closet that was 8,000 degrees. <laughs> and uh, he came in, nice kid, nice kid. And they kept telling us this guy's going to be a star. Remember, this was going to be the year he was going to bust out and be a star. And you ended, you ended up sending him to trip, you ended up sending him to AAA. And now it's, now it's, you know, who knows? He can always come back, folks. Don't ever forget that. Just because you leave the A's doesn't mean you're gone for Why do you keep shaking your head? Because I'm reading about uh, Terry Francona is taking a leave of absence for the rest of the season, and people are putting out what's going on. What's going on? 
So he's taking a, a leave of absence for the remainder of the season. His bench coach, uh, DeMarlo Hill, will take over as the acting manager. Apparently he's going to have his left left hip replaced on Monday, and then five or six weeks later he'll have a permanent rod put in his foot from a staph infection. He has had a lot of health problems. Yeah, so I, I'm sorry to keep shaking my head. It's just crazy. Like, all this stuff just keeps coming out. Everyone's tweeting about it. distracting t- t- me on this video. <laughs> I just see you shaking your head. I'm like, is something going on? Something bad happened? I mean, obviously that's bad, but in today's world where bad can be really bad. Yeah. I mean, you know. Right now, we're not in that mandatory mass, but you told me Sacramento's gone to it. Yeah, Sacramento's yeah. requiring, and then Los Angeles has gone to it. Yeah, and then say I saw read about San Francisco, London Mayor London Breed is I think thinking about it or considering it. I don't I don't know what the the wording was, but so we'll see because the COVID numbers are going up everywhere. And you think about the excitement of this four game series. Shohei Otani, my God. His 37th home run yesterday. He's 8 for 18, three home runs, two doubles, seven RBIs, and five games since getting the day off on Friday. I mean, his numbers, as they were chanting MVP on Wednesday. Let's see, where where exactly are the Angels in the standings? They are 11 games back, five games back of the wild card. But to have a guy strike out as many guys as he has as a pitcher and look what he's done offensively, it's going to be really hard for him not to win the MVP. He leads the majors with a 691 slugging percentage, 63 extra base hits, while ranking second with 81 RBIs. I mean, this is a – and how about he's second in OPS, only behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 1,058. Think about that. Leads the majors in slugging and extra base hits. Leads everybody. And he's second in RBIs and second in OPS. This is truly the greatest season we have ever seen and strap it on because we're going to see it for the next four days. Is Otani going to pitch in the fourth game of this series? Yeah, the rumor was that it's not confirmed, but they're thinking that he might pitch on Sunday. Now, Alex Cobb was supposed to pitch tonight, but I guess the lingering blister issue has been affecting him. So um, their Nolan Ryan from last year, Dylan Bundy, is going to pitch tonight for them. And um, it was just tweeted out by Jeff Fletcher, one of the Angels beat writers, that Joe Madden said that Mike Trout had some tests today and the results were encouraging. Still no more definition on the timetable. So we don't know when Mike Trout's going to be back. Oh, we, I mean, he's going to have to go on a rehab assignment. When's the last time he played? That was against the A's, right? Yeah, so we're looking. Was that, was that, that early was, early May, maybe? That was a long time ago. Yeah. By the way, it is official. The Mariners have acquired Diego Castillo. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, well, that's a big move, Jerry DePoto. Yeah, well, the, the the Rays taking a reliever that no one really knows about who who allowed an opponent's six thirty OPS. The guy's going to be a, uh, a shutdown reliever for them. A quote from uh, from Bob Melvin from from speaking to the media uh, when talking about putting, playing Marte in center field, he said Ramon Laureano actually came to him and said, "Let this guy play center field." So Ramon came to him and said, "Let him play center field." So there you go. I'm sure they're both going to play center field. I, I, you know what? 
Everybody, just do your job. Just do your job. This outfield now has gotten a lot better. I think there's no question. And Steven Piscotty with the wrist has just never been able to get it going. By, by the way, the East Coast is getting hammered by rain. Right now, MLB Network is showing off the uh, Red Sox and Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays got the the old school powder blues on. I love those. And um, it's raining. So there's been a lot of rain going on in the Northeast. And we'll talk to Embo coming up here at 430 when we, we, we taped with him earlier today. They were having a lightning storm. So Shocker. Really- it's raining on the East Coast in the, in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, now you wonder why we pay so much to live out where we live. Uh and that's what and that's what's so brutal about playing them and doing a road trip like that because you're constantly in rain delay theater. It's brutal. It, it's absolutely brutal. I mean, they're they're having games postponed. They're having these long rain delays at this time of the year, making these games even longer than they should be. That is uh, no bueno. Do you, do you have something on the trade deadline? I do. This is from John Heyman of the MLB Network. Mystery team has shown interest in Max Scherzer. Oh, no. But, Stop this, it. but this time I'll end the mystery. It's the Angels. That could, that would make three Southern California, California teams in on Max. Of course, with the Angels only on the cusp of the race, they seem like quite a long shot. Padres and Dodgers more likely. But he's got a no trade. And if I call his agent and I say, hey, listen, yeah, I know, Max, I know we're a ways out. But we're looking to sign him long term. And then you're going to be playing with Trout, Otani, Rendon, Joe Adele, who? But. Maybe you can sell it that way, going, hey, we're still going to go for it this year, but just think about what the future is for your client. And Artie Moreno, who likes to sign, who likes the flashy play because he wants to keep up with the Dodgers in Southern California, who's to say that he doesn't end up an angel because knowing that Artie Moreno will, will write the big check? I don't think San Diego can afford him long term. I could be wrong, but they got a lot. They've got a lot of money on the books. Well, you're right, and I just saw this note from Sarah. She put it right before we came on the air, and she said, "If the Padres get Max Scherzer, they will be the second team to have three former top two Cy Young finishers. That's Darvish and you, and uh, you Darvish and Blake Snell appear for them in a season after playing for another team the year before. In other words, adding lots of top two Cy Young talent in a short span. Well, we saw Blake Snell pitch uh, yesterday." And, Overrated. And the Rays got rid of him at the right time because, uh, as I text you going into that start, 10 of his 18 starts, he couldn't even go five innings. 16 out of 19 starts, he hasn't gotten into the sixth inning. Yeah, that's not good. Six, 16 out of 19. So, basically, when Blake Snell is taking the ball, you know your bullpen's going to have to get a lot of outs. Look at his line yesterday against the A's. Four innings, seven hits, seven runs, four walks, one strikeout. That is not good. And A snapped the losing streak. They got the win over the uh, Padres 10-4 to 
which was big. The A's needed that. And now you got a series where what? The A's are nine and three against the Angels this year. Yeah, they're playing. They, yeah, they are nine and three because it was yeah, it was seven and three coming into that. Yeah, nine and three against the Angels, but they play very poorly against everyone else in the AL West. But remember, the yeah. Rangers don't have Joey Gallo anymore. Uh, although you'll see the Yankees coming up soon. Oh wait, hold on, I got it. So the A's have won nine of twelve against the Angels, and A's with victories in each of the last five meetings. Angels have given up thirty-two runs in forty innings in that span. And Matt Olson, how about Matt Olson against the Angels? He's hitting three fifty, four dingers, ten runs in twelve games, and he has homered in each of the last two games against the Halos. And on the mound tonight, the great Dylan Bundy with a one and seven record, and wait for it, a six point six nine ERA. And what we're going to test tonight is to see what happens when you make that trade. When you make that trade and you show confidence, see, it's I don't think a bullpen arm, unless it's like a big time closer. We'll do it for the clubhouse. But I think a really good position player kind of makes everybody realize, wow, our front office believes in us. You know, it will be interesting after these four games when the A's come home and we get to be on the field and we get to talk to these guys. By the way, did I say it's official with the Mariners? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So when we get to talk to these guys, I wonder how many of them are shocked that Jesus Lazardo got traded. I think that was I I I I I'm gonna tell you, I, I bet some of the players went, wow. But they're gonna be, you know, Jesus is in triple A. And Capre and you know, who are you gonna take out of the rotation right now for him? I, I don't know if there is anybody you're gonna take out of the rotation for him. And when you get done here, these four games. You're going to have a day off. You're going to have two games against the Padres. Day off. Oh, that's going to be great. Two days off next week. Are you kidding me? And then you got Texas coming in for three. And Joey Gallo's not going to be there. I love to, by the way, following. How about this? If you're a Ranger fan. Uh, Seeing the Texas Twitter account. Hey, everybody. We just inked up Jack Leiter. Yeah, and then you trade Joey Gallo. You trade Joey Gallo. Hey, but we just inked the kid out of Vanderbilt, our number one pick. And it was nice. Al was there. I've always liked Al Leiter. I think he's really good. I I was a fan of him. Cutter, 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 and some more cutters towards the end of his career. But uh, it was a cool video of Al with his son and his son signing and everything. But, yeah, how about that? You trade Joey Gallo to the Yankees, but don't worry. We signed the number one pick, and he's going to be here in a few years. That's what I like about the A's. We don't have to deal with that. Our guys go for it. How many times do we have to talk about this? And everybody doubts it, right? Everybody doubts it before the season. They doubt it during the season. I mean, how many people have said, when are they going to trade Chapman and Olsen? You know what? Before the pandemic, would have been would have been in the postseason last year. The last show of the year. So the A's lose to the Astros. 
I literally had a guy. It, it, it was like it was 2002. It was like all of a sudden I got into a time machine. Where, 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 where's my man Robert Blonde? Get into a time machine. And the guy goes, we're just the farm team for the Yankees. He gave me this guy. He's never called back again. But he's like, we're, I'm tired of being the farm sister for the Yankees. I'm like, bro, did you just watch Moneyball or something? There's nobody on the Yankees who played for the A's. Like, there's nobody on the Red Sox who played for the What are you talking about? This isn't 2002. We're not trading Olsen or Chapman. Not happening. I'll bet you. Okay. I And I said, you go to spring training? He goes, yes. I go, okay, we'll, we'll do beers and dinner at spring training. Well, I think I'm going to win that because I don't think Olsen or Chapman is going to be uh, traded by 1 o'clock tomorrow. Now, in the future, I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the future is for Matt Chapman, to be honest with you. This is back-to-back years of it's been a real struggle for him offensively. I mean, they're not going to give $200 million to a guy that's hitting 218. That's not happening. If anybody right now is going to get inked up, the leader in the clubhouse is Matt Olson. But the bet was for this year. But when, when the guy said, Cody, I'm tired of being the farm system for the Yankees, I'm like, what are you, what, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're right, though. There isn't uh, – I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. There aren't any guys for from either club to play for the Red Sox or the Yankees. Because uh, thinking about the Yankees real quick, uh, Luke Voigt's out of a job. Uh, now that Gallo's there and uh, Anthony Rizzo's there. He's hurt, right? He's hurt. And you're talking about the guy that was the home run champ last year in 2020. He's, he's not going to be playing. <laughs> for the Yankees after hitting the most home runs in, in baseball last year. He's not going to play for the Yankees now. And they're, so they're probably going to try to trade him. But yeah, I'd take him. Uh, he'd be a great power hitter. Maybe the Mariners are going to get him. I mean, I don't think the A's need to get more right-handed. But if you said, I, I mean, I, you're going to DH every day, big boy, grip it and rip it, I'd have no problem with that. I was thinking about that too. He'd be a great DH. Oh, he's got swagger, too. You know, he's another one of these guys. Jersey's way unbuttoned. I, I like this generation of players. I would have loved to have been like a power, more than a, a three true outcome guy. But I would have loved to have been a great player in, in this today's baseball where you're wearing chains and you got medallions and you're th- those things are just flopping off your chest as you're rounding second base and third base for a home run. There's a lot of swagger in baseball right now. Well, Marte's going to bring some swagger. All right, coming up next, Paul Himikides from ESPN. Does he love the Marte trade? We'll find out right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. 
You know, I love all the advertisements on Instagram. Drink this powder and you'll lose 30 pounds in a month. Instagram is starting to become like Facebook, and I'm getting close to wanting to just get off of it, even though they're oh, it's owned by Facebook. So I've been on Facebook in about four years, so I might as well just drop it too. Oh, the uh, the uh, click this click this link here, and you'll hit the golf ball 300 yards. Okay, I'm telling you right now, there's no chance that I could click on what these Instagram things, and no matter what plan they have for me. There's no, ch- I have a better chance of seeing Jesus than hitting the ball 300 yards on a consistent basis. That, that ship sailed years ago, but, but Instagram will believe me. Hey, click this. And then I got this video. And if you pay me, if you pay for this video, you'll lose weight and hit it 300 yards. <laughs> I don't have to worry about Twitter anymore. Cause I've been kicked off Twitter. So. All righty. Earlier today, our buddy Paul Hembikides, you see him on ESPN's morning show, Get Up. You hear him on Buster Only's podcast, Baseball Tonight, and Mike Greenberg's talk show. He is one of the top researchers and personalities at ESPN. Here is Himbo. Well, he is a TV personality and a researching fool for ESPN. It's the great Paul Hembikides, and you also hear him on Buster Only's podcast, Baseball Tonight. Himbo, it's been a while. How are you? How's the family, the house? How's everything going? I'm doing wonderful. The house is still standing. We're getting pounded right now by a, by a thunderstorm here in New Jersey, but so far... Uh... These foundations have not crumbled on me yet. And that's also probably about as flattering as you've ever described me coming into the show. I, I always appreciate you taking a shot early. So I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I, I don't know what it is. I, I get more excited this time of year than probably any other during the baseball season aside from like my team being in the playoffs. For some reason, the player movement in July just really grinds my gears. And this year, more than most, there's a ton of buyers, and a lot of action. So, I mean, this to me, like this is, this is Christmas, in, Christmas in July. I love this stuff. So it's it's around 2.30 West Coast time. You're going to be on the show when we actually go live at 4 o'clock. So mm-hmm. I got to ask you, it's not done yet, but it's being reported by a lot of people that it's the San Diego Padres really working hard to get Max Scherzer. If that happens, your thoughts? <laughs> um, look, those guys go for the gusto. A.J. Preller is as aggressive a GM as there is in baseball. And I respect the heck out of him for it, candidly. Like, there are so many GMs that are reticent to go big game hunting. The, you know, the, the, the phrase that I always like to use is prospects will break your heart. The point of prospects is to be able to use them to gain yourself big league wins by, by any means necessary. Now, I understand that prospects have become more and more valuable over the years because GMs are obsessed with control, right? You get six years of control once those guys hit. But I've always felt myself that prospects are merely assets, stocks that you can exchange. And the opportunity to trade for Max Scherzer to potentially start for you a wild card game or an elimination game in the playoffs, whatever whatever the case may be, is easily worth whatever cost it will require on the back end. That's the point of, of, of building a minor league system. Like that's I know there are a lot of clubs, yours being one that – doesn't usually favor the notion of trading away young players um, with a lot of control left, although that you didn't make an exception for that today. The Padres are a team that gets it. They just get it. We want to win at the big league level because that's really all that matters. And the best way that we can do that 
is by using these you know young players that we have found, whether it be dra- the draft or an international free agency, or whatever the case may be, to use those guys as currency to get us to where we want to go. I mean, that's an all-star team right now. That's a bomb squad. They're in the, one of the best divisions in baseball history. I respect the heck out of them for it. And I can't wait to see what the Dodgers and the Giants do in return. And then you got the trade that the A's made with Marte and giving up a guy. And I always say prospects are suspects until they do something at the big league level. What did you think about Lazardo going to Miami and the A's getting Marte? Lots to break down here. I think it's a good deal for the A's for all the obvious reasons. Your outfielders ranked 27th in the league right now in OPS. Starling Marte is having a career year. He's got a 136 OPS plus. Got 22 steals on 25 attempts. He's grounded into two double plays. He can go get it in the outfield. He can run the bases like a maniac. He does everything. And that kind of player is exactly what your club needs. Because you know you got guys, you, got, you have guys in your lineup that can go yickety, right? Matt Olson's having a great year. Chapman's starting to get hot. There's other guys that I expect to hit, you know, the last couple months of the season. But no one quite plays like this guy plays. I'm a huge fan of his game. I think he's a very uh, he's an underappreciated star candidly just because he's been sort of hidden in Pittsburgh and hidden in Miami. But it's very clear to me that amongst all the players that have been traded or will be traded, Starley Marte is going to be the one that impacts the pennant race this year more than any other. On the East Coast today, we obviously did a ton of Joey Gallo. I mean, we did we I mean, I we, we talked about Joey Gallo the whole day on the radio today and obviously we're, we're you know, we're super serving New York audience, so I get it. But if you're just going to ask me who's going to produce more value the next 2 months, it's Starley Marte 10 out of 10 times, and I appreciate that Billy Bean's willing to go for it. Billy Bean is not one of these um, executives, and, and, and your front office doesn't operate under the you know, presumption that we like live in these windows. If you have a chance to win in any given season, you go for it. You, you, you serve your fans that way, and you serve your club that way. That's how, that's how any good team should do it, especially good small market clubs. So I am a huge fan. Starley Marte is one of the 15 or 20 best position players in baseball right now, you were able to move a player from a position of strength right now, which is, of course, starting pitching for you guys. That rotation of yours is filthy, and the way that you've been able to elevate those guys is ridiculous. I do think that there's, there may be buyers or sellers or more down the line, but that's of no concern of mine right now. Like The whole point is to win baseball games now. That's always been the point. So I understand why you know when, when you're evaluating the trade for ESPN.com, you might give the Marlins a better grade than the A's, but like Try telling, try telling me that when Charlie Marte slides in for the game-winning one and the, running the wild card game. Like, who gives a rip? I love the player. I love the deal for you guys. And if and if Luzardo winds up being a stud in Miami, then who cares if Starling Marte does his job? He's going to produce two or three war the last two or three months of the season. He's going to probably hit leadoff at the very top of your lineup in a critical wild card game. And there's no obvious reason to me why the A's can't go deep in the playoffs, considering the 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 top of the American League and the fourth or fifth or sixth best team in the American League are much closer than that is in the National League. I, I feel very strongly about that. Like This is a win-now move. It's a go-for-it move, and I respect you guys like crazy for it. I'm a fan of the Phillies. I want to see us do something like that. Uh, the the, the Starling Marte acquisition is going to be the most impactful one made this month because he plays every day, and he can do every single thing on a baseball field. Joey Gallo, no beard now. So what did you say in New York? Were you thumbs up or thumbs down on the trade? Well, first of all, I thought you said Jerry Callow. Not Joey Gallo. But that notwithstanding, I gave him a thumbs up. This is how I described it. It's a massive risk. You guys have seen him play more than I have. It's a massive risk. But in the case of the New York Yankees, it is a risk worth taking. First of all, they didn't trade away any of their top 10 prospects. The Rangers went for volume, which is an interesting strategy. I kind of like it, candidly. Although you're not going to win the... Not going to win the headline game in Texas because of it. So the Yankees didn't have to give up any of their top guys. So I suppose cash deserves you know, a, a check mark for that one. Here's what I'll say about Joey Gallo. 
obviously we know that he can really, really feel that he's, he leads all uh, outfielders in defensive run saves. He's been he an absolutely great season out there, and he can play center field, he can play right, he can play left. And if need be, he can play first base. Obviously, he can DH for the Yankees. That's, that prioritize, that, that's a priority for them. They're just not athletic enough. They don't have enough guys that can do multiple things. Secondly, the Yankees' left-handed hitters this season have been absolutely dreadful. And you know as well as I do that the only way to properly build a lineup in the Bronx is to do so with that ballpark in mind. And they've just not done that. When the Yankees last won the World Series, they led baseball with the highest platoon advantage. This year, they ranked 29th. That is a potential fatal flaw for a lineup. Joey Gallo in that ballpark will get some cheap home runs, obviously, but he has just this kind of massive power that I think New York, the fans of that team, will really like so long as he hits. But the so long as he hits part is the whole thing, right? This is a guy that hit a buck 80 last year, a buck 80 over a 60 game season. That's what's left. With so much swing and miss in his game, it's not obvious to me that that's the kind of hitter that you want. Now, sure, he's going to improve their base running, he's going to improve their defense, and he's a left handed bat. He's also someone go- capable of going 10 for 100 in his first, you know, whatever it is, month, uh, uh, month and a half in New York. It's, and, and all it's going to take is for him to strike out four times in a game, go back to the dugout wearing a golden sombrero, and those Yankees fans are going to give him the business. And who knows how he's going to respond? Like, we don't know that. Like, it's a, that's something that's different. Like, the Yankees are just different. I know, it's, I know it might sound corny where you're, from, from where you're, you're sitting, but a guy with that kind of swing and miss could easily find himself and the opposite of the good graces, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton gets booed out the gym like crazy. And that's a guy that's played there for three years now, for four years now. So I, I think it's a risk worth taking because of the upside. But my goodness, it's a risk because that's not the kind of like, – their biggest problem is run scoring diversity. And he's the, the peak three true outcomes player. So I think they're just going to have to cross their fingers and hope that the guy can hit 220. Well, he had a huge series against us, and all my callers were saying, we need to get Gallo. I'm like, no, he's like the last guy you need. You don't need another swing and miss guy. So he got up over 230, but now he's back to, I think, 223. Yeah. He is what he is. Has the best player been traded yet? Well, I mean, the best player to be traded or that will be traded is likely Matt Scherzer, who you mentioned, or probably Chris Bryant. But like I said, I feel pretty strongly that Starling Marte is going to be the player that impacts the pennant race more than any other. The reason I like the Marte move so much, and I'm going to break this down a little bit further. I know I'm sort of uh, becoming obsessed with this, is that right now so many baseball teams have decided that there's one way to win. And that way to win has proven statistically over the course of a 162-game sample size to be the best way over said sample size. But when you get yourself in a pinch and your you know, sort of plan A fails, the shortcomings of a lot of other teams is they can't consistently win with plan B. In my judgment, Starling Morte is as good an option for your lineup as any player because of all that stuff. He can, he can score from first on a double. He can score from, from second on a single and do everything in between. He's got lots of juice in that bat. There's plenty of power. I mean, he can, you know, he'll, you'll see him hit a 450-foot bomb to center field at some point this year right over the batter's eye. Like, he's got every tool in the book, and he's playing for a new contract. So I think – like, I'm not doing this just to pander to you or to your listeners. <laughs> and, and looking at his numbers today, I was reminded how brilliant a player this guy is. And an energized Starling Marte for two months can carry a lineup. That's that's the not the kind of player that you needed. Literally the exact player that you needed. I'm all in on that pitching staff that you guys have assembled, but you clearly needed one impact bat. And again, I think he'll produce more over the next two months than Joe than Joey Gallo, and probably more over the next two months than Chris Bryant, who candidly, as good as he is, is something of a brand name. And that's what I like about this move for Starling Marte is you're not paying for the brand, you're playing for the production. 
So your buddy Jeff Passan is putting it out there right now that the Dodgers are finalizing a deal to get Danny Duffy from the Royals. Maybe sensing they're out on Scherzer, they're going to plan B or plan C here. Your thoughts? Yeah, so the Trevor Bauer news obviously uh, dropped a bomb on their season. Um, I I almost feel insensitive talking about it, but it's a baseball story, so I'll do my best. He, he was a freaking National League Cy Young Award winner last year. They made him the highest paid player in the history of baseball. Obviously, they were re, were relying upon him. And he likely won't pitch again for them, at least for this season. What also I am convinced the Dodgers did not prepare themselves for was the notion that both the Giants and the Padres were going to nip at their heels this year. I, I I am certain that if you asked you know Andrew Friedman in an honest moment sometime in March, how good are the Giants going to be? He'll say, you know, they'll probably win more games than they lose but they ain't touching us. Well, right now the Dodgers are looking up at them in the standings. They've done a great job with their pitching staff. They've done a good enough job with that lineup. They're out homering the league by a considerable margin. And so what the Dodgers are forced to do now is act in a way that they didn't expect to have to act. We know that Andrew Freeman really likes um, you know, going big game hunting at the trade deadline. We all remember the uh, Manny Machado trade, and we re- remember the U Darvish trade. Now this obviously doesn't rise to that level, and he's on the disabled list right now. But Danny Duffy's the perfect guy to plug in, in the, in the, especially in the, in the playoffs and throw the sixth or seventh inning and blow cheese out of the pan. Like that's probably what he'll be most useful for for them. But if all the Dodgers come away with at the deadline is Danny Duffy, I bet their fans will be livid, especially if the Padres land Matt Scherzer, and I would get that. I will never in my life forgive Jerry DePoto for the worst trade, one of the worst trades I've ever seen. Kendall Graveman is having a historic year. He cost you nothing, and you took on a guy that can't hit and a 37-year-old reliever has got like a 7 ERA. And you're going to – and here's the thing. You're going to give Kendall Graveman to the devil that is the Houston Astros. There's 28 other teams you could have negotiated with. Why would you give them to the guy – to the team we're all chasing? I will never forgive Jerry DePoto for this move. Yeah, that was chicken bleed. If I'm just to be totally honest, that was chicken bleed. Um, and I'm an analytics guy. I get like the idea of if you feel like the asset you're trading is 1% less valuable than the asset you're receiving, you do it. But I totally disagree with his mindset. Now, in fairness to Jerry DePoto, I think it's fair and safe to wait till five o'clock tomorrow afternoon, Eastern time to see what else he does, because like it's, it's obviously going to be part of a collection of moves. But unless they go out and trade for Greg Kimbrell, which yeah. is super unlikely, the move doesn't make sense from where I sit, and here's why. One, like you said, you made a deal with the devil. To trade Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros, the team that has been kicking your butt for the last five years within your division, is humiliating to your fan base, if we're to be honest. If, if Kendall Graveman winds up you know, throwing the last pitch of the World Series this year and celebrating on the mound, how's that going to make Mariners fans feel? Like that, that has to be part of the discussion, right? I think A's fans are going to feel. As well they should, too. Yeah. They're... I am like, look, you don't know anybody that likes the numbers more than I do, but there has to be a certain level of feel here that Jerry DePoto is just swinging and missing on. Like he had anonymous players uh, after the game ripping him to shreds in the Seattle Times in a way that had to make him big gulp a little bit. I'm just, like, that was eye opening. And, and when you consider the fact that the Seattle Mariners own the longest active playoff drought amongst all major uh, sports teams in North America. It's an absolute slap in the face to your fan base because you are telling your team, I don't think we're good enough to make the playoffs. And look, I can look at the standings and see that you have a minus 50 run differential, but you've done that. You, you, you've made it to the point where you're practically in right, right behind you guys, of course, yeah. through two thirds of the season. 
So you're, you're going to sit here and, uh, and tell me in an honest moment that I think that was all fake. So not only does that demoralize the, the, the clubhouse, but now you're weakening your own roster and giving yourself less of a chance to succeed. It is a complete joke. You guys, you guys get this right. If you are close to having an opportunity to compete for the playoffs, you do it every time. That's the point. That's the whole point. You're not winning. This is not a situation in which you're evaluated based upon your run differential. You're not evaluated based upon whether or not you won or lost the trade on MLBTradeRumors.com. You're judged upon wins and losses, and Kendall Graven was providing more value towards that part of your ledger than practically any relief pitcher in all of baseball. It is absolutely absurd, absurd to me, that he would make that decision in good conscience. I, I, think, it wind up, I think it might wind up being a massive, massive mistake when we look back on this in hindsight. And if the baseball gods are any determinant here, um, the, the Seattle Mariners won't make the playoffs while Jerry DePoto was the GM. I, and, and, of course, I believe in that stuff. <laughs> well, and they just took three or four from the A's, and it was they won three straight. Then they beat Houston, so they've won four straight, and then you trade them, and now they've lost two. I, it's, just, it's so infuriating. But I've been very, very interested in asking you this because I love your predictions. Because I, I, I never know where you're going. What? Who's your World Series favorite? Two months to go, and we're not at the deadline yet till tomorrow. Who's your new World Series favorite? The Milwaukee Brewers are going <laughs> to win the World Series. What, uh, did, you, did you call this, Cody? Did you call this? No, I've been telling Chris that the Brewers were going to win the NL Central, but he keeps arguing with me that they're not going to win. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's obviously they can't, they can't they can't bring up eighteen million guys in September to to get them through like they have in the past. Okay. But hear me out. Yeah, I hear you. I think this team is absolutely stacked. First of all, I know for sure they're going to win their division. That goes a long way. I'm not certain that the Mets are going to win theirs, and I have no idea who's going to win the West. So the Brewers are the only team I can say with certainty is going to get a playoff series. That matters for something. Their division stinks, and they're running away with it. Secondly. I think this year, more than most, because of the run-scoring environment across baseball, teams that pitch the way they can and teams that can miss bats the way they can are going to be operating at even more of an advantage than they are usually. Now, everyone knows that Josh Hader and Devin Williams are a historically good tandem at the back end of the bullpen. If you're leading after seven, you're probably not going to win that game, just like the Royals you know, five or so years ago with Wade Davis and all those studs on the back end there. Like That's what they remind me of on the back end. But their starting rotation, should they remain healthy, is out of this world. So I looked this up this morning. Right now, I'm going to nerd out a little bit. Right now, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, all three of those guys, own an ERA plus of 180 or better, meaning all three of those guys have been 80% better than the league average. There has never been, in the history of baseball, a pitching staff that had three qualified pitchers that were that good in a single season. Not once, not ever. We're talking about three guys having a historically good season on the same rotation at the same time. Now, those guys don't really hit. Like, they're an average hitting team. They just added Eduardo Escobar. Uh, Christian Yelich still has not recovered from the article that I wrote about him two years ago declaring him the best player in baseball history. That's something that he and I have discussed in private. And uh, for some reason, he's still hitting 220. All that said, I think if a team can pitch the way that I project they will, all you need is an average offense to win the World Series. If I were to pick right now, especially based upon the value in Vegas, the Milwaukee Brewers would be my pick. And one question that I, I've actually asked some people, and they don't know the answer to this, and maybe you can find it out. I don't even know if baseball thought about this. But let's just say the Milwaukee Brewers 
wanted to trade Christian Yelich. But right now, he's on the COVID list. Can you trade a guy that has a, a killer disease? Um, from my understanding, the answer to your question is yes. And the reason I think that is the case is because of the Trey Turner conversation. Trey Turner's on that list, too. I, I read all over the place today how teams are interested in him and packaging him with Max Scherzer or Kyle Schwarber or Brad Hand or Daniel Hudson. And nowhere did I read any hangups as part of his – now, there, there, there could I, – I, what I assume would happen is that he would remain in protocol with wherever he went next and would have to honor the same timeline or whatever. Um, I don't think the Brewers are likely to trade Kristen Yelich because you're not going to trade him right now while his value is this kind of low. I, I was bringing him up because he was on the list. Sure. Uh, I think Turner is more likely to go. And from my understanding, there is no there's no inhibiting factor in trading a guy that's on the COVID-19 list. But it is a good question. Yeah, because you, you think about it, you have like a couple days to report. But yeah. if you have to be in quarantine for, I don't know, is it 10, 14 days, they're going to have to make that exception, which I under they would. But no one has just brought it up because I just thought about it going, you know, because some players – are on this list and you're going to trade them. They can't get on flights. They can't, they're in quarantine. They can't be around people. So I just thought that was interesting. Let's end on this. Uh, you got a name for me that you think could shock us? Or do you think everything from here on out till the deadline at one o'clock will, uh, will, we knew that guy was going to get moved. Will there be any surprises? Uh, that's a really good question too. I, what's, hmm. So, the the most interesting so the, the, obviously from where I sit we're all big name national type stuff and what you see is a lot of the Cubs guys right as being as being the you know sort of the leaders in the clubhouse there I think that there's a good chance that you see the Twins trade Byron Buxton now that's not a shock I, I guess I wouldn't say because he, they just offered him a long term deal from what I saw he turned down eighty five million dollars which means he probably doesn't want to play there but he is a difference maker that could move teams that I've not heard talked about all that much that should he get hot, could be a, a massive player the rest of the way. Like he's a player who over the course of a two or three month span at any given time could be among the best in all of baseball. We've seen him sort of catch lightning in a bottle. He just never plays. He's just never healthy. But he impacts winning or has impacted winning there in Minnesota more than most any player in baseball. He's been that critical to their success. That's not hyperbole. He's sort of a gamble, obviously, because you're betting on the health and the sort of uh, skittish performance. But he's a player that I've not heard, you know, bandied about the way that I have Chris Bryant and Javier Baez and Craig Kimbrell and Anthony Rizzo and those kind of guys. So I would say I would say that that's another name amongst the names that we have heard. Uh, I think Kyle Schwarber might also get traded to the Yankees, which means Schwarber plus Gallo. them just totally leaning in to we're going to out homer you to win. They've already done the Gallo thing. I don't think Schwarber would be that expensive. We know Scherzer doesn't want to go play there. The Yankees, I expect, will stay aggressive because they have so much ground to make up. Like a lot of Yankees fans say we're super excited over here because they got Joey Gallo. But like Joey Gallo is going to make a difference of, you know, one, maybe two wins over the last two months of the season. And he's going to, he's going to strike out a ton and probably cost you a game or two there too. Schwarber has been has very clearly shown that he's bounced back from from his issues in Chicago in a, in a good way and is tailor made for that ballpark. So I th I'm just going to go out and eliminate Schwarber to the Yankees. And I think Byron Buxton is going to go somewhere and make an impact down the stretch. So the A's start a four game set tonight in Anaheim. Obviously, you're on the morning show on ESPN Get Up, so you have to go to bed early. So in case you didn't know, um, this guy, Shohei Otani, he's a decent little ball player. That's it. How is it? It is to me unfathomable that he's going to hit 60 home runs and strike out nearly 200 guys. Like it's not, it's, he, he's not of this world. We did this topic on the radio the other day. And what Greeny said was, I think we're underselling the season he's having. And candidly, I agree. Not because 
Like people are talking plenty about how unique what he is doing is. What people aren't talking about enough is the fact that he's genuinely brilliant at both. You play college ball. I play college ball. Like our coaches wouldn't let two-way players from high school play two-ways in base. And this guy is literally, without hyperbole, on any given day, the best hitter and the best pitcher in baseball. It is completely astonishing. He is normalizing the impossible. He has produced more value as a position player this year than Manny Machado and Mookie Betts and Aaron Judge. And has produced more value as a pitcher than Max Scherzer and Zach Greinke and Clayton Kershaw. All by himself. And he's doing, he's doing it candidly for a team that stinks. And if we only had the opportunity to see he and Trout do this together at their best, it'd be super fun. But I don't think they have any chance to get back into it, even if Trout comes back at 100%. Well, I'll tell you this, and I'll speak for my audience. We miss you. Oh, you should just tell Cody to text me once in a while. Oh, wow. Shot. Do your job, Commander. Yeah, come on. This is, this is a booking issue. This is not this, a me issue. This is the best researcher in the business, and you're not texting him? <laughs> Every once in a while, Cody will like a tweet of mine and be reminded that I exist. That's generally how these things go. As, as, Vince, Lombardi, as Vince Lombardi would say, what the hell is going on around here? <laughs> Wasn't that, I thought that was Hank Stram. Was that yeah. Hank Stram? <laughs> I mean, as if that was the only guy that ever said that, right? Well, uh, we're going to be in touch because this trading deadline is fascinating. And then now we're at that point that I love. No longer is it a marathon. We're in a two-month sprint to the finish line. And enjoy Starling Marte, man. He is he is a, he is as brilliant a player as you've read about. I can't wait. To, I, I can't wait for you to to freak out when he goes first to third tomorrow and remember and, and be reminded what that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> a guy can run. Like you're going to do the whole, like, we just actually looked in the rule book and players are allowed to advance more than one base on a batted ball. So that's going to be a good reminder for your audience. Let's go, I, man. Let's go. I don't even remember how to write down a stolen base on my scorebook. Well, he's so efficient. He's got 22 steals. He's only been caught three times. He's grounded in two double plays this year, like I said. Those are the little things that will matter. Like, like when you look at the course of when you look at the course of a postseason and see who wins and who doesn't, those kinds of things make a world of difference. And Starling Marte does all that stuff. So when you have a player with the kind of skill set he does, I'm telling you, man, I am super jealous of what he's going to provide your club. So enjoy him. You are the best. We'll be in touch. Later, boys. It was Vince Lombardi said, what the hell is going on around here? Yeah, I knew you're right when he said it. I don't know why he said, uh, whatever. He said, who do you say Hank Schramm? Like, Come on, Lenny, trickle that ball down the field. For the Kansas City Chiefs. That's Lenny Dawson he was talking to. Lenny. Yeah, well, you were right. I remember because we we played that before. So, Wait, All right, what do we have coming up next? Uh, Andrew Chafin, but I, I'm I'm getting confused because real quickly, John Heyman just tweeted Hector Santiago, the guy that got suspended for the spider attack or whatever was on his glove. He just tweeted Hector Santiago gets 80 game suspension. Oh, where's the context, John? What's the 80 game suspension? Yeah, that's for? that's got to be PEDs. That's what I mean. Yeah. So. So not only do you get caught for for spider tack or some foreign substance, now he's on PEDs. That's not good. This guy's not. That's not I, good. Allegedly, we don't know. It's yeah. just not, John Heyman's reported. But if that's true, wow, you are not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Coming up next, we'll talk to the new left hander for your Oakland Athletics right here on A's Cast Live.
A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. And earlier today here on A's Cast Live, we caught up with the left-hander, the new left-hander in your bullpen, Andrew Chafin. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the program, and uh, welcome to A's Cast Live. Thank you very much. Uh, I got to tell you, I love your real estate strategy. I wish I would have used that when I got my last house. Just throw it out there on Twitter. Uh, You you find me a boat. I'll get you some tickets. I'll get you a case of beer. Uh, I love the strategy. How's it going? Are, Are you close to getting a boat to live on? No, it seems like all the marinas have some legal issues you can't really get around too awful easy. So I'm not sure we're going to be able to pull this one off. But I did like the strategy going to Twitter. It's a lot cheaper than having an agent. Oh, yeah. And you get you reach out to more people instantly, and it's like, boom, and then you get half of them to retweet it, and it's out to thousands more people. It's just a quick and efficient way to uh, try to get things done. Plus, it's you know it's always fun interacting with the fans. You know, I love your comment to David Ross when he told you you got tree, you got traded. You go, I have, I have, I have one bad outing, and you get rid of me. Uh, that was a great line, but obviously not easy to lo- leave Chicago. But now you're on a contender with Oakland. How does that feel? Yeah, it's always exciting to be able to go out there and you know have the best chance possible to win. And I guess Chicago, you know, wasn't planning out, panning out quite like that. And you know, it, it's a business, so. Now I ended up here, and now I'm going to go out here and do everything I can try to try to win a championship. So you also said you don't know much about the AL West. So how much are you going to have to study, like for this series, when you're taking on the Angels for four? We'll just say I'll know what I need to know when I need to know it, and that's about all we're going to worry about. So I, I'm big on keeping it simple, and you know, just attacking the hitters with my best pitches. Hope for the best. You know what? I, I love that strategy because I do think we get too wrapped up into too much data. We get wrapped up into <clears throat> into too much video. And there's a reason why you got here. And why not utilize the stuff that got you here? Get guys out with what you do well versus worrying about so much what the hitters do well. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I've always been a big fan of just keep things simple. Um, as far as the analytical side of things, I don't care for it whatsoever. But, you know, that's to each his own on that, I suppose. Um, but yeah, just go out there and I mean, to be honest, my pretty much my approach is just up and then down and away, bounce the breaking ball. Not necessarily in that order. That's that's the scattering report on ninety five percent of all hitters. So like it's stupid simple. <laughs> yet yeah, you're a reliever. You come in, you throw strikes, you strike guys out, you do your job. It's not it's not it's not like you're going right. through, it's not like you're going through the lineup three times. Right, right. Yeah, if I face more than three hitters, I screwed up. 
So when <laughs> you go into the clubhouse, and this has always been a, a loosey-goosey clubhouse, what did you think when uh, you started to meet the, your new teammates, the Oakland Athletics? No, it seems like I'm going to fit in real well with these, this group of guys. Uh, a lot of guys with common interests and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a fun time. How was, how was your uh, first conversation or any conversation since you got here with Bob Melvin? Uh, relatively short and sweet. Uh, just, I don't know, we both were busy doing everything we got to do throughout the day, so didn't have a ton of time to sit and really chat. But, yeah, I, know, I think we're going to get along good and be able to work together well. You know, one guy that uh, you're probably going to face in this series, Shohei Otani. Talk about what it'll be like your approach against a guy that uh, is having a phenomenal year at the plate. Up and in, down and away, bounce the breaking ball. There you go. That's, That's simple. I, love I don't it. care who's in the box. I'm going to go out and just do my best to execute what pitch I want to throw at that point in time, and I don't really care who's hitting him. If he beats me on one of my bastard sliders, well, pick my cap and move on to the next guy. It's, I mean, it's there's no point in getting worked up who's standing in that box. You can strike them all out. You know, I saw an interview that you did while you are with the Chicago Cubs, and you're an outdoorsy guy, and you don't have a problem uh, taking handling your own business, whether it's your boat, your truck. Uh, talk about your interest away from the field. Oh, man. Uh, I get into all sorts of everything, really. We got a almost 300-acre farm back home and just – you know, working on all the equipment there, keeping things going. Um, you know, I like wrenching on stuff, fabricating things, fishing, hunting. Basically anything you can get dirty doing, I enjoy. Yeah, you're going to have to do it. I'm sure you've done some deep sea fishing, right? Uh, a handful of times. Not Nothing like major sport fishing. We go out for some yellowtail. I think a lot of times I'd have off days in uh, San Diego with the Diamondbacks, and I'd have a charter lined up out there to get out and yeah, we get offshore good ways, but haven't got any of like the, the big time sport fishing yet. But I'm sure that'll come in time. Yeah, that could be a good trip going on uh, going under the Golden Gate Bridge and going out and fishing. I think I think you guys would have a blast. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you, you put me in my creek back home with a little ice fishing rod, catching creek chub all day, and I'm having fun. So, big boat, big fish, be even more fun. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You know, when you start thinking about chasing the Houston Astros. You know, what is that mindset when, when you got a team in front of you and you know you're going to have a bunch of games in division and it's going to be about reeling in the Houston Astros? You got to take it one pitch at a time. Like, you ain't going to cut down a, lead, a three game. I don't know what, how far behind. I don't look at numbers. But, like, like, like for me personally, it's, it's one pitch at a time. I got, I got one job. Execute this pitch, move on to the next pitch. And, and in the grand scheme of things, and, theory it all pays off like sitting there like oh we got to do this we got to do that no well like we're, we're, we're doing way too much at once kind of thing like it's one step at a time one game at a time you know that chicago team you're on had a lot of talent and for some reason it just went south are, are you shocked the way this thing may be ending up with so many good players from the cubs being traded going to other teams i mean it is it is what it is. I don't. I'm not. I don't have a ton to say about that, really. I mean, you know, good teams have bad years and bad teams have good years. It's a business, and just got to do what you got to do. And I don't know. I guess I don't really have much to say on that. 
Well, I got to say, thanks for stopping by. I can't wait to meet you here at the Coliseum. We actually do this show from the field before the game. So it'll be great to meet you. It's great to have you here. And uh, on the way out, Marte, who you know, what kind of player are the A's getting with him? Great dude. Great dude to have around in the clubhouse. Uh, he goes out and plays hard, works hard, and can't ask for much more than that from somebody. Like, I'm really looking forward to playing with him again. And uh, I think it's definitely a great bat to add to the lineup. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He's gonna he's gonna bring a lot. He's a I mean he's a really dynamic player. When you talk about affecting the box score in a lot of ways, just talk about how dynamic he is with his entire game, offense, defense, running the bases, he does it all. Yep, sure does. Hey, well, thank you for the time and we'll see you in Oakland. Yep, sounds good. Take care now, bud. All right. I don't know if this is breaking, even though Jeff Passan says it's breaking from ESPN. The Los Angeles Dodgers are making significant progress on a deal. How is that? How is progress breaking, Commander? I, I, I don't know, but I mean, you knew that they were not going to let the Padres do this to try to get Scherzer. There was no way. But I mean, you can finish the tweet, but I mean, my God, if they pull this off. So they're, they're, the Dodgers are trying to get Scherzer and shortstop Trey Turner. So I think that really answers our question, can you be traded when you're on the COVID list? Um, and the Washington Nationals would get a deal that's just a ton of prospects. See, that's the difference between the Dodgers and everybody else in this deal. The Dodgers still have a ton of quality prospects. Yeah, Seager's still on the IL too. Yeah, I don't think he's back yet, and Mookie's still on the IL. Cody Bellinger can't hit. Um, that's an that's. I mean, you get Turner and Scherzer, and they the Giants have what? Is it, is it two game lead? Uh, the yeah, the, two games. Yeah. Oh boy, this is gonna. This this West, hey, both West are going to be real interesting. All right. Um, he's one of my favorites. I love Dan O'Dowd. Ever since we got to meet him down in San Diego at the winter meetings, a longtime executive, longtime GM of the Rockies. And then, of course, uh, he was in the front office when the Indians were so good and the Baltimore Orioles. And I think he does a fantastic job on MLB Network. And he is going to be on starting tomorrow at 7 a.m. Pacific as they're going to be breaking down the trade deadline all the way up to 1 o'clock. Here is my conversation with Dan O'Dowd. He is our favorite GM on television. Dan, we always love having you on the program, and I know you're going to – Yeah, the only GM on television probably. That's why I'm your favorite GM on television. Now, there's, there's quite a – between radio and TV, there's quite a few of you, but you're you're you're, uh, you're our favorite. And I think about all the coverage you guys are going to be doing uh, the rest of today and then starting tomorrow here on the West Coast, you're going to be on at 7 a.m. I know. Yeah, we've got, you know, really no other network, obviously we should, but no other network covers baseball the way they do. And so many of my colleagues here, their insight into uh, some of the trade acquisitions and how they break down players is just fascinating to me. It's like every day I show up here, I'm getting educated on things that I knew nothing about. Well, you made a lot of deals in your career. Tell us what 
what it's like as a general manager from a buyer standpoint when you're looking at that clock and you're starting to run out of time and you need to make a deal? Well, it's hard. You know, you feel this tremendous weight of responsibility that your your field staff and your players, everybody in uniform, have put the team in a position to actually do something special. So you you wear the weight of that responsibility and you feel so much accountability to try to make things happen without being foolish and stupid. I mean, there's there's risk in everything you do, but there's you know smart risk and then stupid risk and it is a fun time of year. I can tell you it's an emotionally exhausting time of year because you have to manage up as much as you manage down, meaning that, you know, as you present concepts and ideas to your owners, it's such an ever fluid process that you can talk about one thing. And then an hour later, you've switched gears completely, which makes it look like you're not sure what you're doing at times. But the reality of it is the nature of trade discussions you go down one path with the club and all of a sudden it takes a hard left turn and you could be going down another path that you didn't think you'd be going down when you had that conversation with your ownership group earlier in the day. And and what is it like when you're going after, let's say a guy like Max Scherzer and you know, you're going up against a handful of teams who want the same guy and what he can give you, you know, let's say, you know, the Dodgers and the Padres or the Yankees or, or whoever is in this negotiation. What is that like when you're fighting those other teams for one guy? You know, Chris, for me, it's, you know, people talk about being able to evaluate outside your organization and believe me, you have to be so proficient at doing that, but your internal scouting of your own players is absolutely crucial at the trading. It's crucial all the time. But you really have to know your players. And then you make a list of players that you're comfortable moving. And then you make a list of guys that under no conditions you're going to move because they represent something special for your organization as you, as you matriculate forward. So, you know, I always was one that made fair offers. Uh, my feelings with Billy and David in particular in Oakland, I always felt them to be the same way. You make fair, compelling offers. And if it's not good enough, you've got to be able to zig and go in a different direction. Now I want to go on the other side of it. Now you're a seller. So what's it like as a seller, a piece, like let's say a guy is going to be a free agent, you're trading this guy. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same way to responsibilities. You know, I, I hate the whole buyer-seller. I get, I understand why we use it. Um, you know, you, you get better as an organization one decision at a time. It just so happens that the trading deadline you know, and I say trading deadline anywhere two weeks leading up to it, you get the opportunity to make some really traumatic baseball decisions that can move your um, organization forward, whether you're winning or whether you're in a rebuild and transitioning to try to win. So you feel the same way to responsibility as maximizing what the trading deadline represents to you at that moment in trying to add more talent within your organization. So when you look at what the A's did with Chafin and now Marte, and there's love some, it. You love it? I because love it. Some yeah, people I love it. You know, I love it because, yeah, yeah. See, here's what I love about uh, Billy and David is that because of the unique situation of Oakland, um, they don't really think in years of in two, three, four-year increments. They think like right now. How do we put our club in the best position to win right now? And you know what? I'll worry about what's going to happen down the road um, because it's such an ever-changing situation there. They're not sure what down the road is going to look like themselves, which I think puts them in the position of, okay, 
we want Marte. We think he's the best position player available in this year's trading market. I could make an argument that they're right. So we're going to give up value to make sure we get that player. And I, and I don't know why more clubs don't approach it that way and don't overcomplicate it with trying to look too far down the road because the game of baseball is hard to predict from day to day, never mind year to year. I'm so glad you said that because that's what I appreciate as a talk show host and having to be around this club is I know no matter what, they are always trying to win. And that, that, that I respect. And they've got nine arbitration eligible players at the end of this year. So they're sitting there going, well, heck, we don't even know what our payroll capabilities are going to be at this point in time next year. So why waste the opportunity of worrying about that? And I would say that there's some younger guys in that rotation, especially Caprillion, that have stepped up and put themselves in a better position than Lazardo. And I'm not a huge Lazardo guy. I know the industry is. But, you know, how I, how I look at players and evaluate players, I love the kid's arm. Very, very concerned from the minute I saw him about his lack of body awareness and feel over the rubber, which to me always is going to lead to some moments of brilliance and some moments of real inconsistency. I thought it was a great deal for the Marlins under these conditions because it was a rental, and now they've got nine legitimate starters down there. And the industry is going to value this kid high because it's a left-hander with a plus fastball. But again, I think the A's do a great job of evaluating their players. And I, I thought they made a good deal. And I thought it was a win-win for both clubs. Two pitchers that I think about that a lot of people want, obviously Scherzer and Kimbrell. Where do you think they might end up? Well, I mean, um, Scherzer's going to end up in one of four places. I feel like the club that needs him the most are the Giants. Um, I mean, I love Gosman. I love Scalfani, But I'm still not comfortable starting either one in, in a game one of a playoff. But I'd feel really good about the Giants' chances of competing late into October if they added a player of that ilk. And that team has put themselves in position to be able to do that. I can make an argument they they really need Kimbrell, too. I think that's going to be a huge bite to try to do both. I think the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers for me, really need Kimbrell. I think there's some definite holes in the back end of their bullpen. I thought Kelly Jansen's had a really, really good year. But I think they're that much better if they can add Craig Kimbrell. And I, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm focusing more on that than I am a starting pitcher. Well, when I knew I was going to have you on, I couldn't wait to ask you this question because it ruffled uh, our fan base. So Seattle takes three of four from the A's. They host Houston. They beat Houston. So they're now right on our tail. And they're, they, they have a chance to track down the Astros. And then they trade Kendall Graveman to the Astros. I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Yeah, you know, trying to put myself into Jerry's shoes and uh, think about it from his perspective and not the fans' perspective. I would say why they did it is they were a minus 50 run differential. They were below league average at catcher, first, second, left, and center in just production, not talent necessarily, just production. Um, and they definitely, from a starting pitching standpoint, they were below league average there too. And so I think it got down to the point of saying, listen, we value this kid Toro so much that I am willing to run the risk of alienating my team because I feel like this acquisition at this point in time is going to fill a hole at third base for us when Seager's a free agent and all these other younger players and Kyle Lewis comes back. So we have a chance to be a dominant player in this division from years to come. So I don't want to think too short term. Now, 
The converse aspect of that, Chris, is this word chemistry. Because you never know when your window of opportunity is going to open up. I mean, you may think it's down the road. It may be today. But chemistry is, is it's almost impossible to create through transactions. It's impossible to measure. That's why none of the analytical people like to talk about it because it's not quantified. But when you see it, you know it. And that club had incredible chemistry. And so it all gets back to the most important thing, which is the evaluation of players. If Poro turns out to be obviously a aircraft carrier, we're going to look back at this and say, Jerry made a brilliant move. If Toro turns out to be an average player at best, he then will be stuck with the mantra that he took away the chemistry that they had developed with potentially one move. I would never take that risk. And when I look at Toro and I look at his background, they really better be right on, on their, his potential moving forward or they really put themselves in a really awful position. Let's end on this. You, you were around some really great teams, some teams with a ton of talent, and whether you're a GM or assistant GM, what was it like, speaking of that chemistry, when you got a really good team, you go out and make deals, and you show that clubhouse you're here to help them try and win a championship? Yeah, whether it works out or not, it's the most rewarding feeling that you can have as a front office. Um, because, you know, when you, when you have a great draft, you don't see the results of that for years to come. But when you make trades, you see that on the field the very, very next day. And you really, really feel that you've done your job by putting your club in a better position on the first than you were on the 31st. So it's extremely rewarding, and it brings a lot of your organization together as one. Well, I know you're really busy right now at this time of the year, so I can't tell you how much we appreciate your time. And we're going to get the coffee going early out here on the West Coast. And 7 a.m., we're going to be watching. All right, well, I think the A's may have made a close shop. I'm not sure what else they need, but uh, you never know with those guys. And they've done it without adding a single uh, penny to their payroll, which is just amazing to me. Good for them. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always fun to watch Billy and David at this time of the year, isn't it? It's great. I have so much admiration and respect for both of them. Take care. We're going to be watching. Take care, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, MLB Network. They're going to be rolling, getting you ready for the trading deadline. Breaking news, Cody. Are you ready? Let's hear it. It's the end of the show. Oh. I think break, 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 Breaking news, Cody. Did you hear it? End of the show? We're going to be back uh, up here with uh, A's Total Access. True. In about a little over 10 minutes. I think, I think break. That's I think, break. I think you're going to tell me breaking uh, Lakers get Russell Westbrook. I'm going to go, whoa, bigger deal. Russell Westbrook to the Lakers or Max Scherzer possibly to the Dodgers. Maybe By we'll the way, you, you, you forgot to remind me about the epidemic. No, I forgot, I forgot we even talked about that. So if you didn't see the Brad Hand trade, Brad Hand moved on to the Toronto Blue Jays for a catcher in AAA hitting 239. The scouting report, he's big, big catcher, big power. You know, he can throw a little bit. And I'm just, I'm, I'm channeling my inner Brad Pitt. If he's such a great hitter, why doesn't he hit? 
if a guy's hitting 239 at triple A, you, you traded Brad Hand. I don't even remember the guy's name. I texted to you. What was the guy's name? Riley Adams. You traded Brad Hand for a guy hitting 239 in the minor leagues. You think a guy who's hitting 239 in the minor leagues is going to go up and hit the big leagues? It, the trade now, and I know we're running out of time. The trade is interesting now because they, the, apparently, one of the the uh, players coming back if they do this trade with the Dodgers and Nats, the n- number sixteen prospect in baseball is a catcher from the Dodgers, Ruiz. So they're going to get two catchers back. The the Nats will today if this trade goes through, hypothetically, uh, reportedly. So you're going to guys sitting two thirty nine, and you can get Ruiz. Or is this guy even going to play for you? So wait a minute, they're they're taking so. In one day, the Nats are going to acquire three catchers. Well, Ruiz is the number sixteen prospect in baseball, so he's yeah, blocked. yeah, he, he's blocked. Yeah, so he'll he'll be the, like the centerpiece of the trade with the Dodgers for sure. And then you got Adams, who you got for Brad Hand, who's a free agent after the season because they signed him to that one year, like ten million dollar deal. Oh so. my god, that's all you had to give up for Brad Hand. We couldn't give up something for Brad Hand. Yeah, there was there was no catcher in the system. You gave up a catcher who's hitting 239 for a guy that saved a lot of games in the big leagues? It's very odd. I don't know what some of these front offices are doing. All right, what do you want to do? We'll play the we're gonna play the community spotlight with Vince because it's a really short episode, and then we'll get to Ace Total Access. I like it. All right, what a good show today. Getting you ready for the trading deadline. Paul Himbakides from ESPN, Andrew Chafin, new left-hander for your Oakland Athletics, and the former GM, now TV star on MLB Network, Dan O'Dowd. But coming up, we got a little community spotlight with our own Vince Catronio. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.